Hello, everybody. We're coming to you on Wave 94.1 FM. This is Bill Harper, a man in search of my heart. We have a special guest today we're interviewing is Dwight Bell. And Dwight is the founder and leader of Wings of Grace Ministries, a man that I've had great connections with. How are you, Dwight? I am doing really super, super blessed. When I first came on the air with Wave 94 years ago, it was to... uh, put out advertising, invite people to a return to glory ministry, which was a basically a John Eldridge boot camp retreat. And I don't forget, I forget how uh, I came in touch with you, Dwight, but you had read the book Wild at Heart and you saw this uh, retreat. And so he joined us. And what Dwight did is he would bring up his helicopter and he would give guys rides during the afternoon. And I'm telling you that that is the coolest thing in the world when guys, you, you need to have some activity. And so we developed a relationship, both being pilots, both being helicopter pilots. And um, Dwight, what you're doing at Wings of Grace Ministries to serve teenagers and bring them in through flight training and music training and giving them a purpose and service Go into what you do at Wings of Grace. Well, Bill, we really have a heart to reach teenagers, especially teenagers that normally wouldn't come into a church. How do you reach a teen like Right. This ministry really started back when I was a teenager. My dad would love to practice criminal law, and he would really fight for his clients. He was like Matlock, if you remember Matlock. Oh, yeah. And the, the only difference between my dad and Matlock was all of Matlock's clients were innocent and All of my dads, I think with the exception of one, they were guilty. Uh, He would really fight for them. And I think he was trying to teach me the judicial system, you know, that everybody deserves their day Uh in court. That It's better for 10 guilty men to go free than one innocent man to be Uh imprisoned. And, you know, a a jury of your peers and uh, the the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt and, and those kind of things. But what I got out of it is if you're smart enough and you're rich enough, the rules don't apply to you. Ooh. And so I went into adulthood. Really, I found this out through uh, through my interaction really a lot with you and the boot camps. Uh-huh. I thought to be valued in society uh, that I had to be real rich, that people would value me if uh, if they saw that I achieved a lot and had made a lot of money. Mm, the number of zeros. And, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I sought after wealth any way I could do it. And um, since I was uh, considered myself uh, smart, had, had some money um, that, you know, the rules didn't apply to me. And I, f- I figured I could make a lot of money by uh, by doing things not the right way. But one day I met the Lord and he radically changed my life. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a one, 180. In fact, uh, it's, it's been a gradual thing, but he's actually taken that desire of wealth away from me. I believe at that time uh, that he put on my heart a ministry for teenagers. Mm. Uh, in fact, I, I hate to hear stories of a teen who's wasted their life. You know, they, right. they, they made a bad decision and they right. ended up in jail or dead or right. someone else has been affected by it. Sometimes I get physically ill right. hearing those stories and I want to do something about it. Uh, mm-hmm. The question came became for me then is how would I have ever connected with a kid like me? Right. You know, I wouldn't have gone into a church youth group. Uh, you know, I was drinking beer and smoking pot and, and doing those kind of things. Uh, they didn't do that in church youth groups. And then I didn't think I was going to die. Mm. You know, so if you don't think you're going to die, then what is the gospel message? What impact does that have on you? Right. Uh, it's not not that I was uh, against it so much. It just I didn't relate to it. So 
the question and how do I connect to, to teens? And I did have some business success, believe it or not, after I, I came to know the Lord. And uh, so I thought I would get all the kids in our church together and instill in them all this wisdom I had learned, teach them some business principles. And they didn't want to hear anything I had to say. <laughs> Just within a minute or two, I could, you know, they were looking up at the ceiling and all of that. And it bothered me. You know, why can't I connect with these teens? So uh, then I got into flying helicopters and I was flying on the beach one day and it, it just hit me. I believe the Holy Spirit is, is where I got this, uh, that aviation is a great tool to teach biblical principles. And that was the seed of the ministry. That's amazing. See, that you use the, the teens because my story is somewhat similar. I was going nowhere fast and then I got in. Uh, got into military school. I wanted to fly, and then I made it into the Air Force Academy, and an even greater miracle, I graduated. But it gave me a purpose. It was my heart's desire. What kid, it's so many, just want to fly? How many just want to get off of this earth? And so that's a beautiful motivator. And then when you use, you go for the teenage audience, get them while they're young, get them while they're they're impressionable and malleable, and especially in a season in this society where fatherlessness is so rampant, when options for healthy living are so rare, and maybe the family is just coming apart, you reach a teen and give him a purpose and a responsibility, and then a sense of accomplishment when he gets his wings. That's just a beautiful target audience, you know, to go after the teens. I think it's it's really amazing. So talk about your mission, vision, and values then. I know your mission is to inspire teenagers to prosper their lives through the use of good decision-making skills. I know your vision is to bring the kingdom of God. Here, I'm answering your questions. <laughs> but but what, what do you say more to the listeners about what really your heart is about Wings of Grace? Well, first started this, got into it, I thought that aviation was what it was all about. And what I've come to realize is just a tool uh, to reach these teens, just one tool now of, of, of many that we have. So our mission statement to, to inspire teenagers to improve and prosper their lives through the good the use of good decision-making skills is really a, a secular-sounding mission statement. The best decision, the most important decision they can make is what they do with Jesus. Right. They have to get to that decision point. Uh, that's, that's a decision I can't make for them. You know, as, as uh, one of our aviation principles is the pilot in command principle. You know, we are all pilot in commands of our own life. We ultimately make the decisions. Oh, yeah. Um, but I need to get them to that point. I need to, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel. And then they have to choose from there. So the best decision they could ever make would be to, to make Jesus their Lord, to accept Jesus as their Lord and enter the kingdom. So that's what that's what really our whole ministry is about. Whatever we do, the ultimate goal is to, to be sharing the gospel with a lost and hurting world. Right. But to wrap it up into a purpose and a mission, you know, to get their wings. I know for me, the first time I soloed an airplane was huge. And then when I finally got my wings, it was huge. And you've had brought several youth up to give them their wings. But when you talk about using aviation principles to teach these guys about decision-making. You and I were talking earlier about using the attitude indicator as a reference. And I've often said on this radio program about eyes above the line, what is my reference in this crazy world where I can't, I don't know what the truth is in these three dimensions in time we live in. 
And so, so a little brief for our listeners, what is an attitude indicator? It's, the, it's basically called an artificial horizon. It's inside the airplane, and it is used when you are in conditions where you can't see outside clearly where the horizon is, where the ground is, where the sky is, and which way is up, right? This artificial horizon gives you an indication of your bank angle and your nose position and using your other instruments like altitude and vertical velocity and speed. But you put that parallel to where we are in life right now, because I've had a hard time finding the truth down below the line. And so I have to get my eyes and my spirit and my rest, my attention, rest my faith that God has got this. But I have to be proficient in that, just like an instrument pilot has to know how to trust his instruments and rely on the instruments and not what his head is telling him. I've got to rely that God's word's going to come to me, that his truth is uncertain and unshakable. For example, when I was in flight as a pilot, I would say I use my eyes and my head and my hands to reach the destination safely with passengers on board, which are very, very valuable. And you can't put a price tag on their lives. But flying through life, I guess I'm using his voice, but my ears and perhaps my head and hands or perhaps his hands to navigate this life to the final destination. Um, So it's parallels like that. What do you see with the attitude indicator in what do these youth pick up from all of these decision-making principles, Dwight? It's a great analogy. Uh, To fly instruments, you have to focus primarily on that attitude indicator. And then then you're checking the other, what is it, the other five instruments. Uh, You know, you're verifying information and and that. It's real difficult uh, when you first start your IFR training to do that. It's really easy to get off focus and that, and then you turn, you know, you find out you're in a left bank when you think you're going right. Uh-huh. Um, and the way I look at it is, is the world is there's two systems out there. There's the systems of the world or the kingdom of darkness, I should say. And then there's a the kingdom of light. There's a the kingdom of God. Uh-huh. And right now they're both in operation. Oh yeah. The kingdom of God won't come in its fullness until Jesus has returned, but it is here now and we can enter it. The problem is I was brought up in the world system and the kingdom systems, the the way the kingdom works, a lot of times is so foreign to me that it doesn't make sense. And I have to train myself to focus on those kingdom principles and the the way the kingdom works. To hear the inputs from God? uh, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to hear his voice? Train yourself and be proficient in that, right? Yes. Yes. And to look for the when I'm out of whack. Yeah. If I look down at the airspeed indicator and it's at, at red line, you know, that's telling me, hey, there's an issue here. Right. And I, and I need to correct it, you know, right. and the, the kingdom, the way of life, you know, the, the early uh, believers, it was called the way that that way is the truth. You know, Jesus is the truth. It is it is reality. It is the way things work. And when I go against that, I, I don't break the laws of the universe. They break me. Right. No, but part of the problem is, is I've been brought up in these world systems. And that's why I also have to untrain myself in the ways that I've I've been brought up. Well, you know, for a pilot walking on the ground, it doesn't work. Your vestibular system of balance doesn't work in an airplane, does it? It doesn't. So we have to train ourselves to trust our instruments and our attitude indicator and the 
performance instruments, the airspeed, the vertical and all that. But it's the same thing in life, in, or at least in, for God's kingdom to me, is we have to remain proficient in remaining connected to Him. That comes through prayer, comes through meditation, comes through staying in the Word and the principles of, of what God is. Because lately, I've been flying in a storm with all this stuff going on in the world. And listen, if you're flying instruments like just in a nice, easy cloud, but you get inside a thunderstorm with turbulence and lightning and rain and radar, and you've got to navigate through it, you better be proficient, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, but the thing is, after you do it for a while, you, you build your confidence. Right. And where you really do trust those instruments not my feelings, right. right? Not the way I, th- I think th- that the airplane is going, but the way the instruments are telling me. Right, right. You know, there was a book written years ago, God is my co-pilot. And oh, no, 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 no. God is the captain and I am his first officer. And although he'll let me hold the controls, he's the one in charge. And I got to make sure that I don't think I'm the one that's flying yeah, yeah, this craft. Exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's what we have to. Uh, we're not the Lord of our life. He is. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> right. This business of being proficient in instruments and being able to carry your craft with your precious people through the hazards, through the storms to a safe landing. My father used to tell me he was an army aviator, flew in Vietnam, and he had a wonderful phrase. He would do these little three fingers at me as I'd go on and on as a teenager about the stuff. He would say, Bill. Pay attention. In other words, I'm hearing that all over the place now. I'm hearing it from my heavenly father, kind of with the voice of my earthly father. And my dad also, it's interesting, this little phrase he had, and he printed up a bunch of cards before he died. Attitude, attitude, attitude. Uh, A cubed. Notice if that's a negative, it's an even larger negative. It's a positive, it's even larger positive. But attitude indicator. It's all coming together. It's almost like a harmonic that God is providing us. And it's really cool how these, uh, how these young people are getting to this. Hey, tell us about some amazing stories, success stories about young people who've been transformed. It is so neat to see these teenagers respond to the message that they are valuable, that you love them, that they have purpose, they have meaning, that their life does. Right. One in particular is a young man named Craig. His dad and brother, they were both drug dealers. This was Craig's destiny. That is what he was going to become. Somehow, I forget exactly how he came into our program, but we got him in the airplane and uh, he took that first discovery flight uh-huh. and he got out of there a changed kid. Uh-huh. He got the, what we call the, the flying bug and he wanted to get back into that airplane and he changed his life. An amazing transformation. He would hang around me. This seemed like to listen to everything I had. He would come in and uh-huh. into my library and take business books and things uh-huh. like that. So he became, he got, he got his private pilot's license. Uh, he went to uh, University of uh, it, Central Florida, UCF, and uh, got a bachelor's degree in, in finance. He's uh, now working for an aerospace firm here locally, has a, has a great paying job. Wow. He loves the Lord. He's active in his church, does, uh, does mission work and that. He almost joined the Marines. He brought his recruiter in, and this recruiter 
talked about more about uh, the Lord and how he ministered to people across the desk uh, for, for young men coming into the military uh, than he did about the, the military itself. Wow. But this this kid, he's, a, he's an evangelist. He goes on mission trips and things like that. And that was just a huge, huge success story. That's one I, I believe that he was rescued from uh, probably probably uh, prison. He would have ended up in, yeah, in jail. You know? Yeah. How, how do we heal the world, Dwight? Oh, it's, it's just one at a time. One you know? person at a time. And Jesus talks about that when he would leave the 99 to go find one, one person at a time who will then multiply and rescue others. It's so good to get to teenagers because guess what is so rampant and just a toxin in our society is fatherlessness. The young men and women are not getting affirmation from their fathers or their mothers or the adults around them. You know, when we read the book Wild at Heart that we built the retreats around, the key to the, what a, a young person needs, what a child needs, or a, a son needs, is to hear that you have what it takes. Sometimes it's hard to hear for that from God, and we all have to find something in our life that we're successful at, and although we don't hang that as our, we have what it takes, we hear it from God. But to give somebody a purpose and a hope and something to dedicate themselves to and a reason to get up and stay sober and work hard. It's just a beautiful thing that you're doing, and especially the teenagers. So you're using them to network and also some leverage with these teens to get their flight time, but you're having them do other work. Tell me about that. You know, our ministry has, uh, the purpose of it has, uh, it's always been to reach teenagers, but it's really developed over the years into a lot more than we ever imagined it to be. The um, idea of them earning their flight time, you know, we just don't want to give it to them. Uh, there's not value to that, really, if, you, if it's just given to them. Uh, so they actually, and, it, you know, aviation is really expensive. So um, what we do is we have them do these uh, work days. We call them work days. And most of it is uh, done on in our affordable housing arm. Uh-huh. But we're also, we help a lot of elderly people, widows, uh, other churches, other ministries do events and things like that. We actually have these teens out on the mission field. As soon as they come in, they're out helping people. Uh-huh. Now they're doing it to earn flight time, uh-huh. but that's okay. Missionaries get paid, you know, a workers uh-huh. worth their wage. So bring them out on the mission field. What I found really is is that Wings of Grace is really a mission program, a, a mission organization. What really helped me was um, reading scripture and being corrected by scripture, because I thought the mission uh, was to reach teenagers. You know, that that was the main mission. But when I read scripture, that's not the mission that the Lord has has given us. Hmm. Right. Because if you look at the Great Commission, go make disciples to the ends of the earth. It's not limited just to teenagers. Right. And you look at Acts 1, 8, you know, you you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and uh, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yes. And so I was trying to reconcile. Okay, well, I, I believe the Lord told me to reach teenagers, but it seems so limited to the mission that scripture is giving us. Uh-huh. So how do I reconcile those two? So really what we've decided is, is realized is that we, our main focus is working with teenagers, but it is to disciple them to be disciple makers, to go out into the world, to the ends of the earth, making disciples. If, if we keep using teenagers and they keep doing it, we, we will multiply. Multiplication. Yeah, right. yeah. And we'll reach the world that way. Right. 
So we have actually, you know, going from doing these work days now, actually doing real, real world mission work. We've been doing a lot of disaster relief over in the Bahamas. Uh, we're starting up a new uh, mission field here in, uh, actually in Florida, Western Palm Beach County is a real, real poor area. Yes. And, uh, and going in there to reach, uh, what's neat about that area is, is there's, there's a half dozen different culture groups. Uh-huh. So I can take these teens in where they can, and part of this, you know, there's third world conditions there. I can take these teens in where they can see third world conditions. They can see these different culture groups and we can do, we can interact with them. We can actually do mission work there without having to leave the U S right. Uh, training aircraft instead of the, the twin engine and, and things like that. Just bringing resources to bear to people. You know, what, what did I hear the other day that in terms of witnessing to people and sharing the gospel, here's a principle. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. So once you become the hands of grace and love and provision and giving a drink of water to a man who's thirsty or providing their physical needs, then they say, well, what is that you've got? What What is driving you? Why are you the way you are? And there's the opening to share the gospel. Who was it said that preach the gospel at all times, but if necessary, use words? So they see that in you, and that's really great. One, one point I'll make on that, Bill, is that sometimes that takes time to develop that that trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just a quick, uh, you know, one-on-one meeting, and they see this, and oh, right. hey, great. You know, it's, it's being with them, walking with them over a long period of time. Right. As it always is, walking with somebody over time. Now, it's really interesting that you also teach the core aviation principles and how they apply to life. As in, you can imagine a pilot in command being ultimately responsible and countable. We talk about has to be proficient in the instruments using the attitude indicator. But when I was uh, for years, you know, 36 years in the Air Force and 16 with NetJets, we always studied accident profiles to the mishap report to see what went wrong and how we can avoid it. Now, having said that, I also talk about my journey through recovery in the 12 steps. My life became wreckage. I did step four called a searching and fearless moral inventory. I went back through my life and said, oh, that was a bad mistake. That was not wise. What was I thinking? What was I doing? And the same principles apply to aviation. Take that, to, you know, expound on that, how you teach them this. A couple of key principles. One is, is what we, we call the accident chain. So we're, we're talking about those accidents that we, we look at. And contrary to common belief, uh, an airplane just doesn't, uh, it's not flying along, just all of a sudden fly, falls out of the sky um, or crashes. Uh, there's this accident chain. And sometimes it's the, the chain can be several years in the making. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, a series of events that leads up to the accident. Yeah. And, it, and usually what happens is that these things happen and it, it basically overwhelms the pilot and they lose the aircraft. Uh, the majority of aircraft accidents are caused by pilot error. Mm-hmm. The FAA, looking at, at all these accidents and then I guess the National Transportation Safety Board and, and trying to find out, hey, how can we limit these things? They found these hazardous attitudes that affect pilots. Right. And, and what's really cool is the FAA, of all people, really discovered kingdom principles <laughs> yeah. through this. 
right? Uh, so they came up with what I think there's five hazardous attitudes. One of them, uh, one of the big ones, is the anti-authority attitude. Right. If we look at the Bible, where did that anti-authority attitude start? I believe it was way, way back in the garden, wasn't it? Um, there was one rule: uh, don't don't eat of the uh, of the tree. Yeah. So the anti-authority attitude started right there. Hey, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. Right. Um, I'm going I'm going to go against the the authority. It was just that one little thing. That is a huge problem now in society. Is just this anti-authority attitude, right. and uh, I I struggle with it, especially being a guy that knows systems and how to get around them. You know, it's really easy for me to do that. So I have to recognize that in me, and then apply the antidote. Yeah, uh, which in deviation is is follow the rules are usually right. Um, I never had as much as the anti-authority. I guess that was beat out of me in the military. But what I have is the impulsivity. Do something now. Make it happen. And then how many times if I run off down some road and God says, wait, 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 you didn't ask me or, you know, back up and do this again. I'm learning to breathe and pray and listen before I do something quickly. All these these hazardous attitudes. It's really good to expand on those. You know, it's funny because as you're a pilot going through life, you have your attitudes, your training, your proficiency that is in your skill and training and beneficial attitudes as a pilot. Then there's the external stuff. There's the storms that you may be facing. There is the weather. There's the availability of runways and those things. And then there's uh, the system limitations of the airplane that may not be working. So there's an external, internal. There's all these factors that go into this mishap report. But like you're right, it's that chain of events. And often we find if one decision had been changed, if the pilot, for example, had decided to take on that extra fuel or to turn around from his uh, not go to the primary destination, but go to his alternate and the whole mishap would never have happened because of one decision. So you're getting that through to these young people this way. Yeah. Really, it's, it's training them to uh, one be aware of all of that. The, the thing is, is to set rules for themselves so that they know what they're going to do when they get into these situations. Yeah. That's a tough one to get. I find that I have set rules for myself, but then do I follow them when, when uh-huh. I need to? The other day I had one, uh, you know, with a with helicopter, you, you can fly in lower visibility than the uh, than the airplanes. And then we got the uh, I'm safe checklist, you know, with illness, medication and all of that. Uh-huh. So uh, I had promised a guy, that, a potential supporter of our ministry, that I was going to fly him down to look at this new mission trip. It's about a 45 minute flight for us. And uh, so he came over and we drove over to the airport. And I woke up that morning just a little bit. So I thought, well, I'll drink a couple of cups of coffee, you know, and I'll, I'll get back uh, feeling better. Uh, that didn't happen. Then we got over there, free flight to the air, air the uh, helicopter, and the fog started rolling in. Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking, you know what? I have set rules for myself, and I'm about to violate them here. Uh-huh. Why am I going to violate them? Because I don't want to disappoint this guy that really wants to be part of our ministry. It just to me, no. You made the rules, follow them. And so yeah. I told the guy, I said, I said, listen, I said, you know, this this fog is rolling in. Our, our visibility is not that great. I mean, we can get out of here, a special VFR. Uh, but, you know, I woke up, I'm a little bit sluggish. Would you mind if we canceled this flight and put this thing off? Exactly. 
And I had this within me that I was afraid that I would disappoint this guy. But I was wrong. The guy actually thanked me. He said, no, no, man. If, <laughs> Let me guess. I don't want to go with you unless you know everything's good. No, let's put let's put this thing off. He was glad because I think he was a little apprehensive of the fog coming in and all of that, too. You know, it's and, funny. Uh, I bet you a day later you said that was exactly the right decision, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for, for sure. uh, I, I was a safety officer in the Air Force for many years. And that right there is called get there itis. There is an emotional drivenness to get there, especially if you're flying home, right, to see your family. The bad attitude, the FAA calls it the macho. I can do this. I can hack this because especially because I want to get there. Oh, doesn't that apply to real world life? Truly. Really good stuff here. Resignation, you know, what's the what's the use? What you know, what can I do to remedy this situation? Well, we're not helpless. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the, we have for believers we have the, the the God of the universe dwelling within us. Right. You know, we have that there. We, we have so much power that's available to us by being citizens of the kingdom. If we would just realize how much power we have, you know, we could really, really change the world. Mm. We, we, we got to tune our radios to hear him, don't we? Yeah, we we got to be yeah. on the right frequency, don't we? <laughs> you know, the other thing about working with brothers in a team, I need people in my life. I need good brothers. I need to be connected and honest with them so they know my story. And that's like working as a team. I, I first many years I was a solo pilot as a instructor and a fighter pilot. But then I learned to work with a crew when I was flying helicopters. And they taught me so much about leaning on the resources of others. And and then for the years at NetJets, when I'd sit down at a co-pilot and we're going off on a week trip, I'd say, look here, dude. I said, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to hurt my feelings. All right. If you see a problem, speak up. And as in other words, brother, speak into my life. Right. Like, yeah, and yeah. you're not going to hurt my feelings up to including uh, Harpo. What are you doing over there? Right. <laughs> so we need that crew as well. You know, the, uh, actually, you're illuminating the parallels between safe and efficient and proficient aviation to the kingdom of God. It's just brilliant, Dwight. I'm really well, enjoying thank you. it. I relate to it. just what you said. You know, I can I can be out to lunch. I mean, I can get my mind going and think I'm on the right track and all that. I could be way out to lunch here and not know it. And I've I've told my team, I said, if you see me out to lunch, please come and confront me. I don't want to be out to lunch. Right. And I I have the ability to get out there and might not be able to get back unless somebody right. Comes to me, you know. Right. If you need to use a two by four, um, but, you know, first do it in love and gently. Uh, but but if you need to use a two by four, I give you permission <laughs> for unsolicited <laughs> advice. Right, I'm especially good. when you're leading people. You know, with a pilot, you got all those passengers there, and uh, you know, Every you don't want to lead them with so spray too. Right. <laughs> So, everybody, this is Bill Harper on Wave 94, and I have a podcast called In Search of My Heart by Bill Harper. Today, we're interviewing Dwight Bell with Wings of Grace Ministries, and Dwight has put together a program to help young people and help others in a mission field and teaching young people the principles of aviation, all with the gospel right in the middle. And one of the reasons we're doing this, Dwight, is we're trying to let people know what you're doing over there. So my first message would be to teens who want to get their wings, 
go to Wings of Grace and start working, building houses, mission fields, doing these things, and you can get help to get your wings. You're also doing affordable housing, and you got a music program to bring people in here. So tell me, tell me about the music program, by the way. Well, I am blessed uh, to be married to a, just a, a uh, Proverbs 31 woman. She is just so dear. Angela is her name. And she is a fabulous musician. She uh, plays the piano and uh, guitar and cello. And, but a real gift is her voice. She's just angelic. And we've been married 30, 33 years, I think. I've and heard her play. It made me cry. It was so beautiful. Yeah, you know, and like I say, 33 years, and I still get teary-eyed. Uh, we had a concert in here the other night, a little private concert, and uh, she's doing these songs, and, and I just start tearing up when she when she sings. So when we started our ministry, uh, the way we work, we have ground school lessons. We bring all the teenagers in, and so they learn about aviation, and of course, we always tell them about Jesus. It's the main thing. But I was throwing out some test questions. We were getting ready to have a quiz, and I was just throwing out questions and seeing if they knew the answers. And, and I threw one out, um, hey, what is a byproduct of lift? And she answered the question. She said, drag. And it really taught us two things. One is that, geez, I must be an incredible teacher because my wife has absolutely no interest in learning to be a pilot. And she was picking up the information. She knew the answer. The second thing we, we realized is that she was wasting her time sitting through ground school. What we realized is, is believe it or not, not every kid wants to fly. Right. And surprise, surprise. I mean, there's kids out there that have no interest in, in flying, but they need Jesus. So Angela said, hey, why don't I start up a music program? Let me reach kids uh, through music. Wow. And so she has developed a music program and uh, brings kids in. And when you th- when you think about it, uh, you know, you know, to become a private pilot, that you need a minimum of 40 hours of instruction. Right. That's, you know, uh, what's a work week? 40 hours. You know, you can do it in a, you could probably do it in a month if you really uh, fast tracked it. It's not all that hard to become a pilot if you if you put the effort into it. Uh, but to master a musical instrument or a musical gift can take years. You know, it's much harder to to master a musical instrument than it is to fly an airplane. Oh, I have no gift and, for music. I would consider that impossible. But that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not my gifting either. All of the musicians need audiences, in which which I'm a member of the audience. Uh, but anyway, she takes kids and uh, teaches basic music theory, and then helps them develop their their musical gifts, especially in, the, in vocal coaching and, and playing the piano and, and some other instruments. And that's awesome. Then she gets them to perform. You know, just getting a student up to perform in front of others to have that confidence, right? That, that they have a message right. uh, through song. Uh, and so so they get up and, and perform. And some of my biggest tearjerkers have been when, when we do these concerts and the teens get up there. And uh, wow. it's, it's just amazing to see them to see them grow. And, you know, what, I guess the Psalms, aren't, aren't they all really were music? That's music, the Psalms? Music and worship music. I'll tell you, lately I've been doing a lot of podcasts called Worship Walks where I unpack the lyrics of a, a song that just lifts me so high, gives me nourishment. It's like putting on the oxygen mask, Dwight, in this rarefied atmosphere, in this toxic uh, atmosphere that we're living in. But call it media, call it whatever. We need to put on our oxygen mask just like a pilot and recharge our bodies. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit in there. Um, What I'm talking about, Wings of Grace with Dwight, what he's doing is he's taking young people in and having them work 
during home remodeling, doing mission field trips, doing disaster relief. Uh, he teaches them training in the gospel. They're offering instructions in both flight and music and building a community this way, Dwight. But we're here to get support for you. We need help. What do we need to help you? The great question. We have really been thinking about this year, uh, about that this year. The Lord has has blessed us, uh, the founders of the, of the ministry and, and some members on the board financially. And we've been able to do this ministry pretty much on our own from the beginning. Uh, we've got about 40 homes now of, of affordable housing and, and things have been good. A few years ago, Angela, my wife, started praying the prayer of Jabez over me mm-hmm. uh, every night. And lo and behold, things started to, to happen. Uh, the ministry started to grow and all of that. And I remember one night coming home and telling her, hey, this happened. And she said, wow, should I stop? Should I stop praying? And I said, no, no, keep going, keep going. And out of that, just through then my own prayer time and realizing how the Lord has has blessed us financially. But I wanted to make sure that what we were doing really was what God wanted to do and not that I was doing out of the blessings that he had, he had given us. So we started praying for some God-sized projects, mm. some things that we could not do on our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted projects that if we accomplished them, it had to be because God was moving. Right. And he's answered that prayer. So we we have some things going. We wanted to get, uh, there is such an incredible need for affordable housing. So we have a goal to get 100 homes by 2025. Yes. Uh, that's just a whole cool ministry that, that we're doing there, reaching people that have really been hurting. But that's a that's a 6 or $7 million project to today's real estate prices. This international missions that we're into now in disaster relief, we need a, a big hangar facility for the maintenance of the planes and uh, staging areas and all of that. To build a hangar facility at an airport is really, expensive right uh, it's about a three and a half million dollar project and we, we got several of these things we, we need 10 to 15 million dollars to accomplish what we believe that the lord has put on our plate but we don't have that money right did everybody so, hear that wings of grace ministries people <laughs> donate your time donate your resources and if you want to learn how to do one of these things by the way we passed through that too quickly this is a win-win dwight you got young people who are motivated to learn how to fly in music they can work on these affordable housing projects to earn their hours to fly and at the same time you're taking distressed properties you're rebuilding them to give these people housing man that is a beautiful win-win for the kingdom Okay, so let this not be missed to our listeners. Wings of Grace Ministries is doing wonderful things for the community and also for the hearts and minds of these kids. Remember, this is Dwight Bell with Wings of Grace Ministries. So we'll talk more about where you can donate here in a little while. Let me tell you a little bit about this affordable housing. You know, my dad was a real estate attorney. And I grew up in the in the, the real estate industry and that got into uh, investing. And, and uh, so as a real estate investor owning rental properties, you know, you want you want tenants that have stable job histories. They've got good credit, no evictions, no criminal history. Uh, but our ministry is different. We say, hey, if you have bad credit, if you have evictions, uh, if you have criminal history, we might have a home for you. It's not where you've been, but where do you want to go? Right. If you would like to own your own home, if you would like to build prosperity, believe it or not, you can do that. I mean, you're in America. If you can't do it here, where can you? I mean, this is the place. But you've got to change the way you think. Right. So let us tell you about this radical way of living life that brings 
peace and joy and abundance. Maybe not abundance that, that the world thinks, you know, these riches, but it, it, it brings you everything that you need. And it's called the kingdom of God. Right. And if you would, if you would embrace it, you would find that that your life will radically change. It, it, you will you will have that peace and joy to, and the abundant life that Jesus came to give His life for. So you've got to change the way you think. You got to change the way you you handle money. So use our home as a stepping stone to buying your own home. Mm. So the way this thing works is they actually they pay rent because that does help uh, pay for some of our uh, our costs here, uh, some of the flight time. But the rents are on the low end of the range. The idea is that they'll come in and live in our home a year or two, three, uh, get their credit straightened out, start to build savings and deal with relationship issues. A lot of the poverty that people are in is because of the way they relate with others mm-hmm. uh, and they need to get that fixed, you know, and the, the kingdom is the solution to all of this. The way we handle money, the, the you know, the debt situation that we're in. Um, so the idea is they use a stepping stone, get all that stuff straightened out, and then they go buy their own home. And so our idea is we want to get 100 homes just to, to reach that number of families. And then that is a big dream. Yeah, yeah it's a big, big, big thing, uh, especially in this in this market. Just managing these things is is uh, that's when you need a lot of teens, you know, to go work on them, clean them up. But if I could actually get each of these tenants to go buy their own home. So you're taking somebody out of a homeless situation or struggling getting housing. We put them in these homes. And if I could get them to buy their own home, Uh then that frees up that home for another one. Uh If I could do this, if I could go to 100 homes and then every two years get those people to buy their own home, that would be like adding 100 homes Uh to the affordable housing supply without requiring any more capital. Wow. So it's a two-part thing. I do see how big that is, that there's no way you can get this done without God being in it. I like that. Exactly. Love your courage, man. I wanted to be in the faith zone, so he's put us in there. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in the faith zone. I don't have all this stuff I was relying on before. So I've I've had to grow. I've I've been stretched in this ministry more than anybody. Imagine Um, that. We even had a a corporate prayer. We get our team together uh, once a week to pray. So, you know, I'm telling everybody, we're in this faith zone. Uh, We don't have the money to do all of this stuff. But the prayers were coming through as we were in financial difficulties. Mm -hmm. I heard that from a couple of the, of the, the team members that prayed. And afterwards, I had to get everybody say, listen, we do not have financial difficulties. We are right where we wanted to be. We prayed to have God-sized projects. And so God has given us God-sized projects, but that doesn't mean that we have financial difficulty. That means that, that we have to rely on the Lord to... Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So let's make sure that our prayers match. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that's so, faith. Uh, once again, people, we're in interviewing Dwight Bell with Wings of Grace Ministries. And really, we're looking for support. We want everybody in the area to know what he's doing. He's taking young people that have a desire to fly or learn music, and he's allowing them that by working on these homes, by doing disaster relief, by doing community service projects and mission projects. Basically, it's a trusted place. Now, what do you need, Dwight? I've heard that you need money or you need time. You need people to uh, join us on the staff or just inputs. And I would encourage anybody who wants to get involved in service to humanity, uh, helping other people, or if you're a young person, you want to learn music or flight, you know, contact Dwight Bell at wingsofgraceministries.org, wingsofgraceministries.org. You're located in Melbourne, Florida. 
shucks, I may come on your team and be a drone instructor, you know, teach people how to fly UAVs. That's around the corner, people. Dwight, I can't wait. It's a growth industry there. That's right. And stay tuned, listeners in the Tallahassee area. We're going to have another Return to Glory retreat as soon as we can get through this COVID. And Dwight's going to be flying the helicopter and giving rides, aren't you? Yeah, I can't wait to go to another one of those. You know, I didn't realize the father wound that I had. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had loving parents. They stayed together and all of that. Uh, I didn't really realize that until I attended your boot camp. Mm -hmm. You know, I read Wild at Heart and all that, but it didn't connect until Mm -hmm. I really got there with with a group of guys and realized, hey, I got a father wound too. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ministry really helped me, really what I'm doing now. It was one of those foundational things right at the right time at the beginning of this ministry that that helped me much. And I can't wait to get back to those. I really saw some guys get set free. Yeah. One of the guys that really had a real painful father wound. Yes. Well, thank you. You made my day with that one. I'm planning on having another one. Oh, by the way, people, when we have this in Tallahassee, Florida, this next Return to Glory retreat, Dwight's going to be flying his helicopter. I'm going to be flying my airplane. We might be able to to uh, see each other in the air. We have all kinds of activities. We're going to talk about that in the future. But once again, we're interviewing Dwight Bell with Wings of Grace Ministries, and they need support in time. They need money, always need money. He's got big God-sized visions to develop affordable housing, using young people to do the work putting in work to get time and flying, and it's just like a win-win, a beautiful puzzle piece you're putting together in God's kingdom. So we're looking for people who are interested in all of that and serving God's kingdom. And Dwight, I just want to thank you for being on with us today. Uh, What would you have the listeners know? What would you share with our listeners today? The big thing that I would like to share is everybody has a passion and everybody has a ministry to fulfill. And it could be that uh, they're in a stage of their life uh, where they're, they're real busy with a business, focusing on that or family matters or whatever. Uh, and they have some resources that they could partner with with Wings of Grace. And we'd love to discuss that. That would be um, that would be great uh, to connect the, the passion and resources with uh, with what we're doing to, to reach someone. But the main thing is to is to realize that we do, as, as John Eldridge says, especially for men, that we all have that battle that we want to fight. Yes. You know, and we have to realize that we have to find the godly battle that he has for us. We all have that. Uh, We all have that desire. And to not be intimidated by the world and the voices and all that that you hear is to realize that you do have that battle and you can do something with it. You can reach somebody. If it's just one, that might change the world. That might be instrumental in in changing the world. That warrior uh, heart is deep within all of us. And so let's bring that to bring the kingdom of light to the here and now. That's what you're doing, my friend, and doing it well. Uh, So I salute you. Thank you. Yeah. Once again, Dwight Bell with Wings of Grace Ministries in Melbourne, Florida. I'm Bill Harper coming to you on Wave 94 and uh, podcast, A Man in Search of His Heart. So, Dwight, I want to thank you for being with us today. I hope everybody contacts him and let's get involved. I look forward to seeing your helicopter in the air soon. Well, thanks, Bill. Yeah, set that up and I'll be there. Okay, I will, Dwight. Looking forward to it. God bless.